Hi, welcome back to Video Drone. This is episode 17. My name's Fraser. And my name's Craig. Uh, it's been a while since we last did this. It certainly uh, has. Yeah, it was probably November last year November, when we recorded I think. it. Yeah. The Phantasm special. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we've got some more films to review this month. Um, what you been mm-hmm. up to since last year? Then? Oh, I'm sure you enjoyed Christmas. Indeed, <laughs> certainly did. Um, haven't really uh, been to the cinema as much as I'd like, but I've been a, been a couple of times. We went to see the uh, re-release of the original Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. Um, I went to see another anime film called Your Name, and I'm hoping to go and see John Wick Two next week, which right. Fraser's been to see last I night. Went to see that last night. I just, yeah, I highly enjoyed it. Although it's total codswallop, but it's good codswallop. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoyable, turn your brain off. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. As for uh, uh, John Wick, I'm like I say, I'm hoping to go and see that uh, next week, and I really enjoyed the first one. You know, for for what it was, just a yeah. pretentious action film. You know, I've just did what it said on the tin. Uh, do, yeah, I'm sure, definitely. And you did. you uh, took a 76 year old. Yeah, we uh, took John took too. Claire's mum to see. She was quite and fancy. She loved it. it. She did love it. Yeah, <laughs> there's loads of people getting shot in the head at close range. Yeah, she's she's all up for that. And speaking of shooting things, I'm, I'm I've got tickets to go and see Free Fire at mm-hmm. the start of next month as well. That's a new Ben Wheatley film, so I'm quite looking forward to that as well. We did discuss the possibility of going to see the uh, Ico Oase film Headshot. Yeah, I'm really hoping that actually makes it to the cinema. We're not sure if it's going to make it to the Tyneside, which is our local go-to place for uh, sort of cult and foreign films and stuff. Yeah. So if it does end up going there, maybe we can go and check that out. Yeah, we're hoping. Fingers we'll, crossed. We'll try and do a review for the podcast as well. That's cool. A, that's a good idea. So we're going to cover this episode, uh, another three films as per the usual format. Mm-hmm. We're going to be looking at House, a Steve Miner film from... Um, 1985 or 86 or 86 well, <laughs> we're not sure I think it was uh, made in 85 and released in 86 yeah yeah but um, not to be confused with Hugh Laurie exactly <laughs> <laughs> you know it's a horror comedy movie from the 80s and uh, one I have fond memories of uh, also we're going to be checking out um, Blowout yeah not, from, bl- not Blow Up yes Blowout <laughs> Brian De Palma from Brian De Palma yeah um, and finally we'll be looking at Burning Paradise, which is a Ringo Lam martial arts film from about 94. We're back to Ringo Lam. Looking forward okay. to that. Okay, cool. Well, let's begin. Okay. Then first up, this episode is a blast to the past for us <laughs> with Steve Miner's house. Yeah, um, indeed, definitely very nostalgic. This one for me. Yeah, um, I mean for me, this is the sort of middle of the video age mm. uh, rentals. Yeah, like when we used to rent in the eighties. I remember uh, my brother bringing this home from the video shop when uh-huh. I was like, hmm, trying to think. I can't, I can't recall how old I would have been. I mean, when it came out. At the cinema, I was only six, but it was a couple of years later. I must have been like nine or ten or something. I think when he when he rented it, yeah, uh, and he'd seen it before. Uh huh. Um, and I and it was that age where it's all stuff that I probably shouldn't have been watching. Yeah, <laughs> I think this one is kind of one of those movies that it's kind of you know it it's definitely like um, out and out like a horror comedy. It's there's nothing like that like immensely violent or like too bad in it. So it was probably one of those ones where you thought you'll be all right with this. Sort of <laughs> Gremlins sort of torn to it almost. Yeah, I mean there is one bit 
uh, with dismemberment in it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but it's not particularly graphically shown. No, and the effects are sort of like hokey rather yeah. than graphic sort Aye. of zombie type stuff. Yeah, I mean, for me, obviously, at the time it came out, I was on the cusp of being able to sneak into the cinema to see mm. it, but it was literally, nah, I'm not going to get in, so I didn't bother it. Mm-hmm. A few of my mates did. Ah, oh, best things than sliced bread because it was a horror film that was a 15 then, which was yeah. virtually unheard of. Majority mm-hmm. of horrors would in those days in the good old bad old days straight to 18 regardless of, yeah. of the content a lot of them being released now probably would get a 15 yeah. you'd um, find if there was any sort of go or even if it was like mild yeah you'd generally get that slapped on them definitely um and i and I, I do have sort of fond memories of watching this film it was one of those films that when i was younger that i watched loads of times till i knew all the dialogue and everything yeah but we should get into the summary anyway yeah we should about, we should we um, done that yet film is about a writer um, played by William Catt, whose character's name is Roger Cobb, mm-hmm. um, and he moves into his, 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 his aunt. aunt, who recently his, commi- committed suicide, That's right. Yeah. moves into her, inverted commas, house. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the title. <laughs> yeah, and he's a Vietnam vet, so he's got PTSD, as it would be called now. That yeah. Now, it wasn't called that then. Mm-hmm. And he's also got a missing son and sort of estranged That's from right. his wife. Yeah, so we get this scene um, early on where uh, it shows you... That his son went missing on the aunt's property. Yeah, he seemed uh, he seemed to like disappear when the back was turned for a second, mm-hmm. and he's kind of uh, he's not only haunted by the ghosts of his past from Vietnam and his kind of uh, and you, we get these segments where it, it pops back to Vietnam because that's sort of like he's using that for inspiration for his latest novel. His latest he's novel, got, yeah. He's got pressure from the publishers to produce a no- novel, and he's that's right. Got the block and things like that, and he's so. a horror writer, so. Yeah. This departure to writing about his actual life uh-huh. hasn't been met with uh, a great deal of enthusiasm by fans. No, there's this scene where he's at a book signing and he's signing this book, copies of a book called Blood Dance, I think, which is like one of his previous horror books. Right. And uh, one of the guys uh, asks him, "Oh, so what's your new book going to be about, Roger?" And he's like, "Oh, my experiences in the Vietnam War." And he's like, "Oh." <laughs> yeah. And I think this this is interesting because of the fact that at that time in the eighties. Uh, a lot of Americans didn't want to know about Vietnam. Yeah. And that seems to have kind of deliberately been put in as a bit of a comment on that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's an out-and-out silly film. It's not really, it doesn't really have anything serious to say it's, about yeah, the war. But I suppose if but you think that, that at the time it came out, Rambo came out at the same yeah. time, then Chuck Norris started making the Missing mm-hmm. in Action movies. Yeah. And that was sort of bringing, dragging, dragging the Americans so back into Vietnam. So I don't know if that's, that's yeah. a bit of a sly comment yeah. on that whole thing. Where or, he's like, oh. or was it preempting it? Who knows? Yeah, well, you know, but yeah, at the time, it was still a dirty word in America. Yeah, probably. it was. Um, at least as far as we know anyway. Well, at least his history seems to suggest <laughs> yeah. that when you look at things about the 80s and about the fact that people were like, I suppose it's a bit like the Iraq war now, you know. Yeah. People are uh, still sort of uh, saying we should, never should have went in. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, getting back to like um, the plot and everything, uh, he inherits the house. Yeah. He goes there to write this uh, book about Vietnam and his aunt always warned him the house was haunted. Yeah. But as established earlier in the film, she's quite an eccentric woman. Yeah. And he thinks that basically she was a bit crazy. Well, yeah, as you do. <laughs> There's a great scene with uh, with uh, George Went, who's, oh, he's the, the, he's the neighbour. Yeah, um, it's Norma with cheese. That's Norma, right. I think I it's, I think yeah. it's Norma. I never used to watch the show too much myself, but I'm sure everyone will know who we mean. Um, and there's this great scene early on where he's talking about the aunt being crazy. Mm-hmm. And he just rhymes all this stuff about how nuts she was. And he's like, <laughs> she was a bit Looney Tunes. He's like, well, actually, she was my aunt. Like, oh, yeah. Heart of gold, though. <laughs> yeah, <aye. laughs> Lovely woman. Aye. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's 
quite funny um, in, in that respect. But um, he's definitely the comic relief. Oh guy. yeah, yeah, because he, he sort of when he finds things in the closet. That sounds so wrong. Um, he gets him over to have a look. <laughs> That's right, because one of the first uh, indications that... Uh, I mean, he, there's a couple of things, uh, a couple of spooky things happen to him, but the weird by out, out and out, the most in-your-face, literally, thing that happens is that at the stroke of midnight, a monster lurches out of the closet yeah. and attacks him. And I mean, it's it's a good-looking <laughs> monster, but like it, in the cold light of day, where you can see it's on a shopping trolley and somebody's pushing it straight out of the cupboard. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, that's exactly what it is. Um, the effects like that, the good, good design though. In terms great, of like, oh yeah, the monsters because it's basically like a massive kind of like, well, like sort of faces and things. Yeah, really, with like, great big long sort of sinewy tendril arms. arms. Yeah, I mean, at the time it's like it's great. I mean, it's kind of like I wish I hadn't watched it again. In that respect, because it looks so rubbery and... Mm. I think it's a mixed bag effects-wise, this film. Yeah. Some things look great and other things look terrible. Mm-hmm. And it's it's quite uneven yeah. in that respect. But I at, still... at the time, we lapped it up. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like... It is a sort of... Um, it's a silly film. It's very much a horror comedy. The, the Vietnam aspects are handled a bit more seriously. Mm-hmm. Because we get these uh, flashbacks to his time with uh, a fellow soldier called Ben. Yeah, who's like a sort of bit of a badass type of character, isn't he? He is, yeah. Um, and he kind of like saves his neck a couple of times. Yeah, when they're like, uh, and they, but he gets captured by the Viet Cong and dragged away. And yeah, so, after he'd begged him to like end his life. Uh huh. And he's like, um, couldn't do it. And he couldn't do it. And he's yeah. kind of haunted by that fact, isn't he? Uh huh. Uh, that's like what a lot of what his books about, like the fact mm-hmm. he seems to like feel like he's like failed Ben really. So within the film. Ben basically comes back as a zombie and, and mm. sort of stalks him and to torment, him. torment him. Yeah, but it's not really until the finale, because um, yeah. So we're maybe getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, it's a little all, bit it here. builds up. Yes, all along, doesn't it? The thing is about most haunted house movies is like um, you get two types of them really. You get ones like uh, old movies like The Haunting where there's like doors slamming and you know sounds in the night and it's all very subtle. Mm-hmm. And then you get ones like sort of uh, where it's loads of effects and like loads of the, like pots and like poltergeist where those Which things happen. Which this owes a very large debt to. Definitely. Yeah. But it's it's it has a lot of elements that seem to be borrowed from poltergeist, but at the same time, it also has the whole possession thing, which is a bit like the Evil Dead, like the woman who comes over to uh, to see Roger, uh, the sort of. Um, the, the woman who leaves leaves his a kid with him, yeah, despite not knowing him very well at yeah. all. Within about two minutes, oh, I can you babysit my son? Yeah, like, like that element of it. She there's a scene where she gets possessed, and it's very much like the Evil Dead. One second she's fine, and then she's this grotesque yeah. creature that he has to dismember. And that element of it feels very much like the sort of possession genre that Evil Dead kind of like yeah. uh, brought in. Uh-huh. Uh, whereas prior to that, it's more like a haunted house movie, but it's an unusual haunted house movie because everything. But the kitchen sink is haunted in this film. Yeah, the monster comes out of the closet. They like uh, the clock starts to go mental. There's there's a trophy of a uh, fish on the yeah, wall big that thing. starts to yeah. flap, which is all a bit. Yeah. Well, I suppose that predates uh, Evil Dead Two, doesn't it? You know, mm. when was Evil Dead Two? About eighty seven. Yeah. At the same time, you know, but this would definitely would have been made yeah, before. Yeah, because you talk yeah. about when the staghead comes. To yeah, the yeah, and two, yeah, yeah. It's, it's that sort of thing, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. And then you have got the flying sort of tools and things like that. That's right, in the, the workshed. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, but as as like, uh, so you get all these these things that that uh, happen to him in rapid succession, and like all this crazy shit happens in the house. But then there's the scene which we just mentioned where the uh, woman gets possessed and he has to chop her into pieces, mm-hmm. and <laughs> and he he shoots her with a shotgun. 
and the police come over and this is a really strange scene is that um, he pretends that his gun went off and he's been cleaning it and it went off and he's basically got all the body parts like stuffed in the kind of back like hidden yeah. and the cop comes in and it's like it's a really strange scene because like it plays it for laughs but it's like it's quite a disturbing and serious thing that's just happened yeah but it's quite funny, like the scene, like the the way like he's totally trying to like get the cop like Yeah, misdirect them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's a very strange tone because it's kinda like it does some it's got some strange humour in it, but like really it should be taken a bit more seriously this yeah. scene. It's, it's it's like I say, I mean, because to me it's always been a horror film, but when you mm. look at a sort of if you went on a Wikipedia or Rotten Tomatoes, let's say a horror comedy, I mean mm. And there are some pretty there are funny some, bits in yeah, it, but, I mean, but mainly involving George Wentz's character. Yeah, exactly. It's, he's the light relief, I suppose. Definitely. I mean, the, when the creature lurches from the, uh, the the closet because he's got all these cameras set up to capture yeah. it and he's obviously trying to prove to his neighbour that he's not nuts. Uh-huh. Um, he told them that it was a raccoon in the closet. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and so, obviously, when he sees all these cameras and all the security thing and a rope attached to the door to try and, like, yeah. sort of open the door from a safe distance, he's thinking, what the hell is going on here? Uh, yeah. And then when it actually comes out of the closet, he's like, it's a fucking big raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's pretty, yeah, it's a pretty good monster, that one. But it's got some stop motion in it as well, which I'm yeah. always a sucker for. Mm. that sort of flying skull bird thing. Yeah, the yeah. sort of skeletal yeah. bat creature, which yeah. is quite cool, actually. I like that. Yeah, it's good um, So... As we mentioned, his son went missing. Yeah, which is very much the sort of poltergeist yeah. thing. Yeah, uh, element to it. Yeah. And Caroline. For, <laughs> and for most of the film, um, it doesn't really like uh, give you much to go on as to what would happen to him, except it's obviously something to do with the house. Yeah. And then, like late in the movie, he uncovers a painting which has an illustration on it that gives him a clue as to where his son is. Mm. So he finds a way to, like, uh, he finds, like, a clue to rescue his son and mm-hmm. goes off on a mission to get him back. But then has to confront Ben, yeah. his uh, soldier, his dead soldier buddy, who seems to have been kind of behind his son's disappearance. Yeah, uh-huh. And that kind of, like, leads into, like, a showdown between the two of them. And then there's, like, there's kind of, like, a villain. But Ben comes into it very late, even though he's been in the movie all along in the flashbacks. Yeah. You only really find out that he's to blame for like, and he's somehow behind like the sun going missing, and he's taken him mm-hmm. uh, towards the end of the film. Yeah. So then it becomes a kind of showdown between him and Ben, and yeah. kind of laying his demons to rest. Quite literally, if yeah. you like. <laughs> but uh, I mean, like I say, I think the anticipation to get a hold of it on video in the eighties was massive. Mm. I think it was probably put out by EV, was it? I think it was Entertainment in Video, EIV, yeah. And we've talked previously about EIV's trailers and the fact that if you rented videos in the 80s, we mentioned this in our very first episode, Uh that those trailers were used again and again. Uh So if you watched any videos in the 80s that were from EIV, you saw the house trailer countless times. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I remember seeing it a lot of times before I actually saw the movie. Uh I remember it was on the front of stuff like The Eliminators and things like that, and all the really dodgy B-movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so there probably was a bit of expectation back then. I mean, I was young at the time, and you would probably uh, you probably remember that sort of thing better than I do. But uh, certainly, it was definitely like a video release that a lot of people were probably looking forward to. Judging by, I mean, they they build it up. There's quite a big horror film. Well, it, I think it did pretty good sort of box office. Mm. You know, at the pictures. So then, you know, it was just a few months to wait, and it was out on video. Mm-hmm. I mean, Steve Miner sort of. Minor by name, minor director by nature. <laughs> <laughs> He's um, most famous for uh, producing the Friday the Thirteenth films and directing two of them. Wasn't yeah, it? Uh, and two also, and three, I think. He, I think he made Lake Placid as well, which I quite enjoyed. Yes, actually, that is a good film. Yeah, 
Um, that's an unusual one because it kind of subverts your expectations it quite does. a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, it's a decent watch, though. Um, and it was produ- uh, House was produced by Sean S. Cunningham, who was one of the producers of Last House on the Left, and, he's and many his, early Wes Craven films. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's sort of been floating around the horror scene for a long time. Mm. So it, it, I suppose it's got a fairly good pedigree behind mm. it, and it's sort of it was in the mid eighties. It was certainly in America. I don't know if it was R rated or PG thirteen, but things were getting a lot more sort of either either full on or sort of these sort of mm. jokey sort of horrors. Well, yeah. they weren't as gory. Was, you don't get as effects. many of these, though, these no. days. No, over here it was a 15. It was, yeah. Uh, it probably still would be a 15 these days. Mm. Uh, In fact, I think the upcoming Arrow release on uh, Blu-ray, which it is coming out soon. How do we always... We always seem to be reviewing films that are almost like... On the cusp of release. Trust us, folks, we're not checking out the release schedules, but yeah, we always end up reviewing things that like all of a sudden's going to get a nice yeah. spanking we Blu-ray with, release. We did it with Mad Dog Killer as well. Yeah, exactly. And uh-huh. previous things before that. Uh-huh. So yeah, that is coming. There's a box set of them because there was, in fact, a series. There was four films. I remember seeing the second one, the pictures, which they, they, I think they just they've got the same title. That's about it. And they used yeah. the hand for the for the poster. That was. The, I remember the the video mm. cover was the hand going towards the handle, wasn't it? Is it supposed to be the same house in the sequel? I forget. I can't remember because the second one it's got cowboys is, in is it. like a wild west sort yeah. of thing with like an, with an undead kind of like. Zombie guy sending somebody on a mission to find some treasure or something. I forget. And I'm sure there's a like a, a lucky dragon type thing, and it. it's just it has gone PG thirteen by that mm. time, I think. Um, but anyway, I'm bollocks. getting back to the <laughs> <laughs> getting back to the original one. So you noticed a sort of um, a link to this to in another film in this yes, episode, didn't I, you? Strange thing. I was just sitting this morning thinking about the movies we're covering, and obviously uh, we've talked about the fact that William Carter's in this. Uh huh. Um, and we're we're also talking about another De Palma film, Blowout. Uh huh. Um, William Cutler's in Carrie, another De Palma film, along with John. Travolta. Along with John Travolta, who's the star of Blowout. There you go. I just found that a bit of a strange <laughs> six degrees of Kevin Bacon style link. Yeah. <laughs> it is quite an odd one that. Yeah. <laughs> William Cat's hair in Carrie, though. He's got big, yeah. He's got big hair in that. He certainly has. <laughs> he's been using that uh, soul gloster from coming to, <laughs> from coming to America. Remember that? Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> But no, I mean, I must say that watching it again, I've got a lot of nostalgia value for it, but mm. it, it doesn't really hold up for me now these days. I think that it is a tough one because it is it is quite a like silly, daft film. Yeah. It's, it's well made. It's well made in many ways. It's quite funny in places. I really like the sort of finale with Ben like um, and the fact that he kind of has to confront him. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like that aspect of it. I think it, it ties in quite well. Um it, it like builds it up well with the flashbacks and stuff, and I love the scene where he goes to rescue his son and like we mentioned the the skeletal bat thing that he fights that nicks his shotgun. Yeah, <laughs> that's a cool bit. Aye, um, that's the st- that's the stop motion. Yeah, yeah, it is. That is cool. I'm not just a sucker for that anyway. Uh, so. Yeah, no, it looks it looks pretty good I even mean, though it's the one thing about the, the Vietnam flashbacks they're incredibly stage bound. Mm. You know what I mean? Yes, that's, it doesn't look very good. Really. Yeah, you can tell they haven't shot anything on location well, yeah, or, or uh-huh. even tried to like get a location looks remotely like it. It's just uh-huh. it's all kind of quite tightly shot with like mainly the characters. Like there's a scene where the characters are like sitting in a group like discussing kind of like strategy and stuff, and they uh-huh. talk about the sergeant. And um, they're all kind of like grouped together, and there's just some leaves chuckling in the background, and that you know. Yeah, it's just, and it's then when they're under fire and they're being shot at, there's just people kind of sticking out of the bushes and machine yeah, guns. It's very, and it's it's not it's not they've not went to a great deal you can of tell there's limitations on the budget there, but yeah, it, like I say, it did do the business, and mm. it's 
obviously um there's video producers in this country well arrow said they thought that it's worthwhile of putting out a box mm-hmm. set of it so yeah it's 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 middling for me i think it sounds like you're rating it a bit higher yeah i think it's it is the nostalgia talking though i mean to be fair <laughs> if i watched it today it wouldn't it definitely like, because there's a lot of movies that uh, i didn't see back in the day that i was always intrigued by yeah that i've since checked out i thought actually you know what they hold up pretty well despite yeah. us not seeing them at the time no there's other films that like this that i look at that think i'm only probably only like this because of when I saw it. Yeah. But I still enjoy it. Oh yeah, yeah. Um I... and I think this is one it's definitely one of those. It's one that it's stronger because I saw it back in the day. Had I seen it now for the first time, mm-hmm. I might not have enjoyed it as much. I mean we we only sort of sort of came to light really because I don't know I think you said oh it's on the horror channel have just started because mm. horror channel puts yeah. things in rotation for a few months and then drops off and then this came on and it was Jimmy who told me about it oh um, was it right yeah I, he, he was the one who sort of gives the heads up and Aye. strangely enough Emily Booth introduces them right <laughs> I, uh, apparently she's like um, apparently she's she's written on articles on the horror channel for quite a while right about like the rental era and the VHS so era she's the face of the horror channel I guess so yeah ah, good she stuff. seems to be she did like this intro thing for it when it was on um, the intro i just saw the just saw mm. the movie caught the movie yeah but romp. no i think it's it's an enjoyable romp it's a silly like uh, horror comedy and it's short and sweet it's short and sweet. yeah it's 80 odd minutes isn't it Aye. and it does what it says in the tin i think that if you've seen it before and you've got nostalgia for it you'll enjoy it a lot mm-hmm. but uh maybe if it's your first time coming to it you probably could find better horror comedies yeah, from the 80s that you haven't probably. seen before yeah <laughs> but it's not bad not bad. but it's not bad at all <laughs> uh, not not a bad movie Right, let's go and watch some De Palma. Indeed. And we're back. Um, we're going to be discussing Blowout now, mm-hmm. the De Palma film from 1981. About 1981, yeah, thereabouts. Um, starring John Travolta, mm-hmm. Nancy Allen, uh, John Lithgow, and that other fella who I can't remember what he's called with the moustache. <laughs> <laughs> right, Blowout. Um Really underrated at the time. Didn't mm. do the business that it was meant to do. I think it's still pretty underrated now. I mean, in terms of... I mean, critics probably rated, but I don't know many people who've seen it, to be fair. No. Um, it was De Palma's follow-up to Dress to Kill, mm-hmm. which was quite a bit... I mean, it's quite a shot on film, Dress to Kill, and... Uh, mm. yeah, it was Especially a, for its time. Yeah, big success for him. Um, John Travolta plays Jack Terry in this film, who's a sound editor, recorder for sort of B-movies. And when mm. he's out, out and about recording sounds, as he does... He accidentally records a fatal car accident that has wider implications of political conspiracy and unhinged assassins. Nice, nice, nice summary. Summary. <laughs> uh, obviously, the, the plot's a little bit more dense than that, but um, mm-hmm. the film starts with a false opening and yeah. ends like yeah, sort of pulls you in a different direction. As I well. like that. So it yeah. starts like that and ends sort of not the way you'd expect, mm-hmm. and it's it's quite clever. The whole film subverts your expectations, doesn't it? Really, yeah. in many ways. You think it's going to be one thing, and it turns out being another. And in a lot of ways, it's it's a very dark film, mm-hmm. um, and probably for me, one of the best like the best kind of like paranoid political thrillers I've ever seen. Yeah, it's um, a good one. Yeah, definitely. Because I think a lot of other political thrillers, like the the kind of cons- I mean, the politics aspect of it isn't the main focus. No, no, can. no. It's just that. A, the fatal it's a bit recording, of a MacGuffin, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the fatal recording is of a major political figure. Like he's basically a would-be president. Yeah. Who gets killed? Uh huh. Um, and then Travolta's character finds himself being pursued by people who want the recording. Yeah. Because of the implications that might have. Uh huh. Because he's basically been taken out, hasn't he? Yeah, and because it also turns out that there was there was film of it as well. 
Yeah. Which, if the two get married, when the two eventually get married together, it sort of all becomes very apparent. But it's um, De Palma's on fire here. Like you got oh, split screen mm-hmm. stuff going on, which he's always like, but it it's, works brilliant in this film. The framing of some scenes looks yeah. amazing. Even just like small things. There's a scene where, um, well, the, the scene we just mentioned actually, where John Travolta's out and he's recording his sounds. Yeah. Um, and he's got the sort of like big long mic, and there's this like owl right in the in the it, right in the foreground, foreground and he's like, in the background, and it yeah. turns around and looks right at the camera, and he's like out of focus. Then he comes into focus as he's recording. Yeah. It looks really nice. We actually used that in our video drone trailer competition. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> yeah. that bit with the owl. Uh huh. Yeah, because it's, it's and you got stylish. all those other sounds in the background that I always forget that they've got implications further in the film. Mm. Um, but yeah, without giving too much away. Um, so regarding the characters, then, so what sort of character would you say Jack is? Uh, John Revolta's character. He's kind of is he sleazy or is he sort of like a good guy? There's not really a great deal of background given. That's why no, I bring it up. But to me, right, okay, this, this is something you've just triggered something there. Mm-hmm. To me, he comes across, and it's the jacket he wears as well, as a bit of a, not quite Travis Pickle character, but a bit of a loner. Yes, that's exactly yeah, what I was going right, to say. Right, right. That's exactly what I was going to say. We're on the same page because I feel like, although it doesn't really communicate what sort of a person he is, he seems to be like at his happiest, just kind of getting on with life, doing his own thing and doing his job. Yeah. Which is probably why he's out at like crazy AM on a morning, like recording random sounds. Exactly. Because he just kind of lives the way he wants to live, I guess. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, like when I say, I mean, I'm saying Travis Bickle, he's not as unhinged as yeah. Travis Bickle. No, he's he knows how to, how to talk to people, how to talk to girls and yeah. things like that. You know? But he's he's a similar in, in the way that he's a loner. a loner. I get what you mean. And, yeah. But he does wear that sort of green, sort of camo jacket, yeah. sort of taxi driver sort of get up and that um, but no he's a bit more socially integrated than yeah, uh, Travis yeah take uh, girls to see uh, porn pornos no, no, exactly <laughs> yeah I mean actually one of the stumbling blocks I do have with the film is, is the sort of um, I want to say, I don't know what the sort of character Nancy Allen is but the whole voice that she affects for the film mm. it does pull us out a bit she's got this oh sort of kooky voice yeah and then, I mean she does it on purpose mm. for that character and it works Within the film, but it does. It always grits with me. With yes, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Could have maybe done without that, but it's a very, it's a, it's a minor thing in a yeah. pretty amazing I film. Mean, basically, she, I mean, she always gets stuck with these parts in in, in Palmer films. Almost just sort of like a kiss and tell sort of girl, yeah. isn't she? And the whole set, setup is that she's with this political guy mm-hmm. just to sort of sell a story to the tabloids, American mm-hmm. tabloids, not the British tabloids. So it's a different sort of thing over yes. there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so the, that's why it's getting filmed at the same time as he happens to get it uh, recorded as well. That's right, aye. Um But yeah, so she plays this character who initially doesn't want anything to do with the Travolta character, but she mm-hmm. gets slowly drawn into it when to Palmer. When Travolta <laughs> realizes more to her than just yes. happening to be in the car, yeah, a good exactly. time girl. And we should probably start to call him Terry rather than Travolta. I know, Jack I know, Terry. yeah. So Wait, Jack, well, Jack Terry, Travolta, yeah, you, yeah. You, you, you want to call him that? Yeah. But no, he is, he is Jack Terry as the character. We should put a more clear mark. Yeah. On that. So it's set in Philadelphia as well. Mm-hmm. Um, did you notice the bottles of G and B that were in all over the film? Yes, the, which I... is sort of like a throwback to uh, Italian films that always had that. Mm. I don't know if that if there was a proper sponsorship offers just the Palmer's not the Jallo films from the seventies because you got Pino Donaggio doing the score the music it's quite over the top very yeah. me- melodramatic as well mm. um, which sort of again it works but it it's like it's a bit yeah. jar jarring at points there, there are um, there are bits where it's it 
is very kind of in your face and kind of it's like impossible to like, ignore how how loud it gets in key points and that. Yeah, yeah. But um, but I don't think it harms it particularly. It's maybe a product of its time more. But, but yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's hard to describe. But it's a good score, though. Oh yeah, it is a good score. I mean, for a film all about sound, I mean, even just the the credits are fantastic. You got those all sort of VU meters of the of the little mm. pointers moving up and down. Yeah, because the opening credits have a lot of like it shows you a lot of his equipment. Yeah, as he's kind of like um, you know, sort of I guess finalizing his tracks and making Tink- his soundtrack for what seems to be like a horror film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very well. That seems to be an well, obvious. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, all around the office that he works in, there's all these like Roger Corman sort of movie posters and stuff. Yeah. Some interesting titles as well. All good 70s stuff. All genuine posters as well. It's quality. Um, can we talk about John Lithgow without giving yeah. too much away? Yeah, I think we can. He basically plays an assassin in it who mm-hmm. was given a job to do, but he's been told to basically stop the job, but he's just gone off on his own. He's, yeah. got a, he's, he's a man on a mission. Completely, yes. Um, and he's totally deranged. Really, really good in this. I mean, he's yeah. good in everything, to be fair. I don't think I've ever seen a John Lothgow film which he's not been brilliant in. I think he's a highly underrated actor, actually. Yeah. He's, you know, every uh, role that he's in, he just totally gives his all to, and he's just, like, such a merciless, like, efficient kind of machine in this. Yes, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's... Ah, well, and he's, he doesn't have a great deal of dialogue. Like, no. Um, there's a lot of scenes where he's just kind of, you know, doing what he does best, mm-hmm. basically. And just, just, well, the whole point that he's just sort of like, he just has different costume changes because he just blends into the background mm. in order to take out his next victim. Mm-hmm. Messily. Yeah. With a sort of garrote-type situation going on, which I can't talk too much about um, mm. if you've seen the film but yeah it's great but if you like Lithgow um, you know you'll enjoy his performance this he always just gives 110% and we were just talking about some of his other roles before recording this and he's yeah. just great in everything yeah. I, I can't um, I can't uh, go, go let, let this review go by without mentioning that uh, great uh, turn that he did in the Twilight Zone movie oh yeah and that then, was just on telly again the other night I haven't watched it in ages so, uh, yeah. I highly recommend watching that yeah. again it's a good it's a good sort of fun film yeah so we mentioned before about the sort of De Palma sort of motifs, the split screen, mm-hmm. the long tracking shots. My favourite scene in this film is that there's this bit where Travolta goes back to his sort of homecoming studio, yes, and he finds out that his or one of his tapes has been erased. Mm. But then it turns out he's trying tape after tape, and they've all been erased. Yeah, and he's just there's this long tracking shot and it's almost overhead mm-hmm. of all these tapes all over the floor I think I don't know if they used it on the Criterion cover uh, still from it or it's one of the posters but it's just a fantastic shot it uh, is it is good that and it, it's a great chip. it's something that could in another director's hands it could kind of look kind of mundane and a bit boring I'm going through every tape and it'd be yeah. like a kind of laborious thing but it's just it. I think it also maybe gives you a bit more of a sense of his character like he kind of almost feel like his life's work's been fuck, fucked with because yeah. I get the feeling, although it doesn't give you a lot of background about his character, that he kind of loves what he does. Oh yeah, and that you know he's working on these films that some people might look down on and think they're a bit shitty, like B movies and horror films. Yeah, but I think he probably thinks of it as a bit of an art form. Absolutely. Maybe I'm reading too much into his character; it's not really <laughs> shown on screen. But that's just the impression that I get. But yeah, because it doesn't turn turn out that halfway through the film he used to wire people up for for the police and things like that, and mm. he got out of that because something went down bad. Yeah, um, it yeah. doesn't go like heavily into that. I think no. it touches on it, but it probably explains why he's a bit more mm. more of a loner because he he feels quite guilty about that. Um, obviously the um, I'm gonna mangle this guy's name. The film owes a major debt to blow up, 
which the is photography. The yeah, the uh, David Hemmings film directed by Michelangelo Antian. Oh, I can't even say it. Antonioni, <laughs> I think it is. You're, you're pretty good at Italian yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah, but not. Oh, no, it's not it's that. Just because you're an impression yeah, American. Yeah, totally, totally. No, he is good at Italian stuff. But yeah, yeah uh, that, that's <laughs> it's sort of like a flip version of that. That's all about think, hidden things in a photograph. This one's obviously about the sound recording. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it, it, it's a cracking little film. I would love to say the Criterion version because the extras on that are a lot more than what's on mm. the Arrow version. But the Arrow version we've got on Blu-ray is a fabulous disc. It is. Um, it's a nice steel book as well. Tell you what, see if you remember this bit, Craig. There's a bit where Nancy Allen smashes a bottle over somebody's head. Oh yeah. And it's just like done from like bop like that, and it's sort of impossible to break a, a bottle yeah. the way she does, and that that sort of another thing that took <laughs> us out of the film for a second. Also, do you think? What it is in the film, one of the devices is um, Jack Terry. I was going to say yes. Travolta. Jack Terry has the sound <laughs> recording. Uh-huh. Now, th- when the tabloid pictures get out of, mm-hmm. of the crash, the magazine literally prints it frame by frame. Would a magazine really do that? Did that happen I in the 80s? I don't That's think so. so. You know I, what I mean? I would hope not. Yeah. I mean, because But why would you? You only need to see it's a... like a photography, like, snuff. Yeah, because <laughs> what then Travolta can do he cuts out all the pictures the painstaking thing in the film he cuts out all the pictures photographs them, and also yes. it's like stop well it's like what, like yeah, what like film a, is like image after image yeah. but he, he turns it into a film then adds the um, the soundtrack to it as well and then you can see what's been going on that, yeah, the, so that it wasn't a car it, yeah. crash it was a set up accident we, we didn't actually mention that obviously the title is blowout because of the fact that the tyre seems of the of the Potential yeah, president's the, car. The, the police just said it was a. Been, well, well, it yeah. was a blowout, but actually, no, it's been shot out. Exactly. That, that's yeah. that's so what you find out halfway through. They're saying the it's a blowout, but actually, yeah. the tyres were shot, causing the yeah. car to career off the road. And uh-huh. Hence uh, the situation that he's in. Yeah. Um, but it just seemed. I don't know. I don't know if stuff like that, like that happened in the late 70s and I can't 80s. see it. I mean, because if. I mean, well, maybe it did in terms of like something more mundane. Mm-hmm. Like, say, somebody was like caught cheating and they had some. Yeah, like a step by step of somebody like kissing in a window or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. But like, obviously, when it's somebody dying on on film, uh-huh. would you really print that in news? Well, film? I mean, like I said, I mean, I, I did make that distinction of American tabloids and British yeah. tabloids. Uh, um, you know, that was like these National Enquirer type magazines or whatever they were in, in the states. Well, we, maybe it was something more mundane. They might have done a step by step, but I kind of somebody plugged the car plunge to the death seems a bit extreme. Doesn't it does. It, it does. <laughs> But um, <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. But yeah, so I mean, maybe there's a couple of like sort of possible like logic faults in the film. But uh, but yeah, it's um, overall it's a it's a really like edgy, seat dark thriller. Good car chase at the end as well. Really good, yeah. Some fantastic overhead shots that these days would be done on drones. Then it mm. would have been a helicopter and a hell of a hassle to do because it's some sort of I forget what what day parade it is. Some sort of Fourth of July type. That's thing. right. There's some it's, sort of celebration. Yeah. And um, you know Jack Terry's bombing about in his little sort of jeep, um, mm-hmm. just sliding about all over, trying to sort of rescue the girl, yeah, sort of thing. But um, From, uh, even that has sort of goes clutches, yeah. But it, <laughs> that all ends up pear shaped. It's like, oh my god, what's going to happen next? And it just goes from. The ending, we won't really... tell you what happens, but my God, it has a tense finale, like yeah. And then the last, the very final moment is mm-hmm. just so like, whew. yeah. It really does make you feel like. And, it's quite. It's got quite a like harsh end. Uh, yeah, it has to the film. Yeah. I mean, a lot. Of, there's a lot of like dark, sort of uh, throws. Um, 
that like from the seventies. I mean, more horror movies actually from the seventies that have bad endings where mm. it's like something quite awful happens at the end. This film really doesn't give you what you expect from the beginning to the end, but the ending does have a bit of a one-two punch to oh, it, doesn't yeah, it? Absolutely. And yeah. and it makes you question without without uh, revealing too much. It makes you question just what's going on in Travolta's head at the yeah. very end. And yeah, without like, which again, is as much weak as we can say without spoiling. We'll the back, we're back to his character, like you know how how much of a good guy is he, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but no. I get the I get the sort of feeling, you know, slight slight spoiler. Alert. Again, I won't say it, but I get the feeling he's been. Maybe possibly slightly damaged by the events of the movie by yeah, the end. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But uh, it's funny this because I'm trying to think now of Travolta movies after this. Because bearing mm. in mind, late seventies, Saturday Night Fever, mm-hmm. Grease, he could do what he wanted then. He could sort mm. of, and then after this, all I can think of is perfect. <laughs> I can't think of it. I can't think of any of the good Travolta. You know, until the Renaissance, yeah, uh, brought on by. Uh, um, Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't think of any other real sort of. I have a feeling that Tarantino will probably be a fan of this film. I've never heard him talk about it. But oh, it just he, seems he like definitely the sort was. Of thing that he... I remember seeing a documentary and he had piles of laser discs and blowouts mm-hmm. at the front of the pile. Yeah. So yeah, he's a big Department fan anyway. So yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So a very underrated film. Um, we both think you should check mm, it out if you haven't seen it. Definitely, yeah. I keep on telling people to watch this film and. Uh, I don't think uh, one person I've told to watch it uh, yet has. It's a, it's a sort of thing that'd be like late night BBC One on a Friday. Mm. Uh, In fact, I do believe that I saw it on uh, BBC when I first saw the film. I'm pretty sure day, my yeah. first viewing of it was on TV. I actually picked up a laser discovered, which was mm. from the eighties, like it was before the, like the, the second run of laser discs in the late. Oh 90s. yeah, the early laser. It was the, yeah. one of the earlier ones. Um, but yeah, I've got that kitten around somewhere. I forgot about that. But yeah, great film. So you can get it from uh, both Criterion and Arrow currently yeah. uh, on Blu-ray. And like, Criterion's as... probably out of print by now, is it? Yeah, it, it, it more than likely is. There's um... definitely a lot more interesting bits and bobs on the mm. Criterion one compared to the Arrow. There's yeah. a few interviews on the Arrow one, but mm. uh, you can if get you it like fairly sort cheap. Of, if you like your sort of artwork covers and stuff, the Arrow one's got a pretty cool cover. Um, yeah. And uh, there's a nice steel book out, which is actually still relatively cheap. Right. Um, well, as... Well, it's cheap as well. It's in terms of how expensive steelbooks yeah. can get. I anyway. think I'll, I'll pick it up for less than the tennis, so it's it's well worth the effort, if not catch mm. on the telly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, but c- certainly a very uh, resounding uh, thumbs up from us. Definitely, both of us. Cool. Mm-hmm. What's next? It will be Burning Paradise. All oh, right. Okay. Right. Finally. Uh, we've got for you Burning Paradise, mm. Hong Kong movie from 1994, directed by Ringo Lam. Yeah, that's right. Second Ringo Lam film we've covered, but this one is totally different to the last one. Completely, yeah. Um, again, produced by Choi Hark. No real stars in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, the names we've got is Willie Chi or Willie Chai, who plays legendary character Fong Sai Yuk. We've got Kong Kong Wong as Lord Kung, the evil bastard. Mm-hmm. And Carmen Lee as Tutu, who is the tart with a heart. I don't know <laughs> how you describe the character. I'll give you a, a sum up with the yes, plot. Yes, please do. Um, Fong Sai Yuk attempts to protect his master after the destruction of the Shaolin Temple, but fails and is taken prisoner at the foreboding Red Lotus Temple, and he's at the mercy of the evil Lord Kung. Much waifu ensues. It certainly does. <laughs> so, Fraser, because you're much more of a Hong Kong aficionado than me, and you probably know a lot more about the character of Fong Sai Yuk. I mean, I've seen a couple of Fong Sai Yuk. You've movies. seen more than me in that case, and I haven't seen any Fong Sai Yuk <laughs> oh, movies. Oh, yeah, I really expected you to have seen No, those. no. 
Um, but he is a, he is a character from Chinese folklore who's in a lot of films. Yeah, he does. He's got his, quite literally his own series. Yeah. Now this one, this film, is sometimes known as Once Upon a Ch- Time in China, it's like linked in with those, although it's yeah. not technically one of those films. But there was a series called Once Upon a Time yeah. in China, which yeah. was starring Jet Li. Am I right? A lot of them had Jet Li. The, in I think them, that yeah. was a remake, though, wasn't it? There's probably another one. Before yeah. That. There's, a, there's a whole series from mid sort of late eighties, yeah. early nineties. But, but Fraser's um, the Hong Kong guy. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the Japan guy. So. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> but no, it's just, I mean, I just thought we'd pick this one out. It's, mm-hmm. it's a funny old uh, German DVD I had. Mm-hmm. So we really don't know about the, the names and the sort of um, the, the, the quality of the subtitles on yeah. this one. The, actually, the quality of the subs weren't too bad for an import release that where English isn't the first language that that country speaks. Yeah. But there was a couple of like... A couple of sort of things in them that were a bit dodgy. Oh, where it actually goes to German rather than English subs. <laughs> there was, yeah. yeah, there is a bit of dialogue with German towards the end. But yeah. but for the most part, though, like 90% of the movie, the subtitles are okay. Uh-huh. Um, and get the point across. You know, they're serviceable. Um, because we, we remember like Hong Kong DVDs, you know, you got for a few quid online. Yeah. Because you couldn't find any other way to source the film. That's right. And they had like incomprehensible subtitles that totally. were awful. This really is much bad. better than that. Yeah, it is, it, it's, it is better. At least you can follow the plot. But I take it there's no like uh, UK or US release. There was, a, there was definitely a UK release on VHS back in the day. I don't know if mm. it's like Eastern Heroes or Made in Hong Kong put it out. But it's just something I never got to grips with. I never got a hold of at the time. And yeah. I read about it eventually. I think it was an. Um, Oh, what was the magazine? Asian Trash Cinema or something like that that used to be out in America. I got a hold of a copy of that or there's a book or something. And I always read about Burn and Paradise. So it's, it's like really underrated. Mm-hmm. And it's quite sort of different to the other films. It's, well, I'm sure you found it's quite yeah. dark, quite gory. Yeah, definitely. For an action film, it's, mm. it's quite When brutal. you think films about Shaolin monks and the Shaolin temple, you generally think of like, you know, the sorts of movies that would generally not really show like sort of blood and guts you know there'd be just be like there'd people... be a little bit of spitting out of blood yeah, and stuff like, like that yeah like maybe if somebody gets kicked right in the face yeah like that sort of thing I mean but... lot, sort of Shaw Brothers 70s stuff tend to be a little bit of blood in it but mm. not not major yeah maybe more so if they're using like things like the um, sort of Chinese broadswords and that sort of stuff yeah which is a bit of that there'd be a, f- a few cuts to the face or the yeah. chest or whatever but, in but this... mainly people getting kicked and dust flying off them yeah well there's plenty of that in this <laughs> yeah, it's definitely. like every sort of prop that's used is covered in dust but if you're not familiar with like sort of you know like the the likes of sort of the period like uh, kung fu movies mm-hmm. a lot of them don't tend to be that violent no whereas this is quite different i mean there's people getting chopped in half in the first couple of minutes mm, a um, horse gets decapitated uh, yeah. about five minutes in the horses in this are very strange they all seem to be very small pony type things did you yeah, notice that i did it was like not quite full size <laughs> um very odd that but um yeah, so you got this funny sort of dark tone to the film with with the violence. There's a bit when uh, Fong Sa Yuk is taken prisoner and he's marched off to the temple. And when they get to the temple outside, there's there's people being strung up. Yeah, there's, there's arms there's, literally planted in the, in the ground mm, and there's piles, there's of, piles skulls of bones and, and bones. And there's like uh, people who've been hung. Yeah, like who corpses are like left out in the sun and that. Uh-huh. And I'll, and like as soon as you know, like the film starts when he's accosted by like the Red Lotus people and he's fighting to not get captured. Mm-hmm. There's quite a lot of blood and gore. That scene I was quite taken back by because I wasn't quite you expecting that, you that don't level. Expect it, yeah. The violence from a Hong Kong film, but like you say, when he gets taken to the temple and there's loads of things made out of bones and all that sort of stuff, and there's like there's all these like uh, methods, these really brutal methods that they use to like make the Shaolin fight each other. Yeah, and they turn like brother against brother and sort of quite literally in this quite literally film, yeah. in this case because uh, Fong Sayuk has a brother. Yes, who's already in the service of Lord Kung. Yeah, the main bad he's, guy. Yeah, and he's kind of forced to fight him. And there's 
all these like booby traps that he launches out of his out of his throne. Yeah, like sort yeah, of like, like killer darts. And, yeah, like big spikes. That, mm, yeah, it's, and I mean, it opens up the floor, but so there's like fire underneath them and a big pit yeah, and stuff. It's, it's it's sort of very Temple of Doom in that respect. It is a bit. It's sort of, respect, I was thinking yeah. it's it's a combination between Temple of Doom and, and that sort of big booby trap tunnel at the start of Raiders. Yeah, there's yeah the spikes coming out of floors. Mm-hmm. There's floors open up, people drop down, and the floor closes in on them and get they get chopped in two and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, um, and like you say, there's. The supernatural element to it as well because yes. Lord Kung's sort of he turns paper into sort of almost steel when he That's starts right. throwing it about yeah and, stuff. and he also uh, uses paint as a weapon he has yeah. like these techniques where he fires paint and flicks it off a brush and it turns into like a bullet almost. yeah that reminded me a bit of sort of maybe it's borrowed from uh, uh, borrowed from this film to Kung Fu Hustle Oh yeah, do you remember? There's like uh-huh. there's that sort of element of, of like yeah. them, you know playing musical instruments and taking people in like out. notes, kind of and hitting no, people. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. It's that sort of I've seen effect. that sort of thing in some Hong Kong movies before, where they've like where they've made like a sort of soft object into something solid and yeah. thrown it like a projectile. It is kind of like a staple of of Hong Kong mm. cinema. Um, they also in like the spooky encounters and all that sort of stuff, like the ghost element ones. They use like spells and they chuck the ideograms like like an actual weapon. And yeah, stuff. That's, that's, <laughs> well, that's exactly yeah, that's exactly what happens in this. So. In this film, I mean, it looks amazing for like a well, it's obviously a set and it's quite mm-hmm. stage bound. It's quite yes. a big, expansive set for a Hong Kong mm. movie. Probably cost them a lot of money to make, but I know for a fact it didn't do well at the Hong Kong box office, right. and it was it just it sank without a trace, bit, mm-hmm. really. Um, I mean, performance-wise, when it comes to these films. Um, the 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 sort of stuntmen and fighters before the actors, yeah. but it's, it's pretty good. I mean, there's no real for me anyway. And Craig keeps saying I know all, all the bits and bobs and that, but there's no sort of Jet Li or Donnie Yen in this or mm. any of this. Sort but you of, know a lot of like uh, you know a lot of Chinese actors. Yeah, yeah, don't. yeah, true. No, you know ones that pop up in films but all the time in smaller parts. I did check check out the sort of some of the filmographies of the people, and there's nothing there that really. Mm bounced out to me has been alright yeah I've definitely seen that other film before yeah. nothing major but um, uh, yeah I mean it's it's quite brutal in one minute and then it can switch over to Benny Hill humour yeah like really silly comedy very silly sort of like handprints on chests on women's chests and stuff like that and it's <laughs> it's very strange that it is uneven there's a lot of like um, I think there's a lot of like uh, Hong Kong films that have that shift in tone though mm-hmm. um, and Asian films in general where they like can have really silly humor the next, and then be like dead serious in the next scene. Yeah. Um. But going back to like what you were saying about about that element of comedy is that the uncle at the beginning of the film, or the one he calls uncle anyway, the yeah. elder guy. Yeah. The elder um, monk. Yeah. He like it kind of subverts your expectations quite a bit because he starts out looking like he's going to be one of the main characters. Yes. But he dies quite early. Quite early in the film. on, yeah. And like that took me by surprise because yeah. I thought it was going to be Feng Saiyuk and is it Chi Man? Yeah, this character's uh-huh. called, and he yeah. literally gets blown away. Pretty much straight <laughs> yeah. away, and his his murder's like quite brutal. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, because um, he, at first you think he's dead, but then they, they sort of go back to him, and then they really do kill him. They yeah. quite literally stick a knife in them, don't they? Mm. Yeah, it's quite, quite, quite nasty, really. Um, yeah. So I mean, the, the, the certain points like that are sort of unexpected. Mm-hmm. But like I say, the the humour doesn't work for me in the respect of the rest of the film. Mm. Yeah. So it is quite at odds. Uh-huh. Maybe that's what, why. Well, I was going to say well, it wouldn't really affect the box office once you, once your bum's on the seat, because eventually it gets but more about sort of traditional Hong Kong stuff and it's crane versus tiger style. Yes, because we is... we mentioned the fact that the two brothers uh, fight each other. Yes, Sayuk and um, and is it uh, Hong Hong? Yes. Yeah. Um, and the they're sort of pitted against each other and forced to fight, 
and like you say, it's Tiger versus Craig, yeah. which is a classic sort of staple of a lot of Hong Kong films. And myself and Craig, we, we, we were just talking just before we started recording as to whether this is a waifu movie mm-hmm. or just a traditional martial arts movie. Now, I, I, I'm falling on the side that it's more waifu. And well, now that it, I've thought about it, I would agree yeah, with you because it's, it's kind of it's. I wouldn't say it's subtle, but it's, more subtle than yeah, something the, like Zoo Warriors and Magic Mountain, Crouching yeah. Tiger, Hidden Dragon, that sort yeah. of stuff. It's but it's definitely there. It's definitely like augmented for yeah. want of a better word. But the fights are great and it's mm. some really good fights. There's um the sort of the chief enforcer for Kung is a character called Crimson. That's right. Yeah. And he eventually obviously he gets his comeuppance eventually, but it's a good little fight. It's sort of like uh-huh. in two parts. Um and I, well, I don't want to give away the ending, but the ending had both me and you going, What? <laughs> well, it's not really the ending. Well, the end of the well, yeah. no, it's not. Yeah, no, the end of that. that fight. Yeah, it's not the end of the film because obviously he's got yeah. to fight the evil. If you Lord don't Kung. want any spoilers at all, like maybe wind forward a minute or so. But, <laughs> but uh, this, the way that uh, Crimson dies is just hilarious. Yeah, because he, he gets he gets impaled. Yeah, and then you count about two beats and then he explodes. Then he explodes. He, seconds there wasn't later. Any, like in this film. There is dynamite in this film, but it's not used for blowing people up. I don't think he's standing next to anything remotely explosive. He no. gets pierced by a sword and he is on fire at the time. Yeah, right? yeah. So, so he's been set alight, <laughs> impaled, and yeah. then it so, so then blows up straight afterwards. Where I, we were just like, how on earth did he explode? I know. There's quite a few fire stunts <laughs> in this film, and they always always in Hong Kong films they always seem to go on a little bit too long. Yeah, <laughs> Do you know what I mean. Mm. Just a, just a bit. Yeah, um, Safety was not concerned never, back then. I mean, this isn't even that old. It was 1994, but yeah. quite often they had no regard for safety whatsoever. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and there's even one scene um, where um, Fong Sai Yup and Tutu find this sort of hidden room full of corpses of all these courtesans yeah. that, that Lord Kung's killed. He, he's got some issues, that, that character. He certainly has. Um, but it's, it goes very sort of gothic. and It's like an Italian gothic movie, isn't it? Like Barbara yeah. or something. It's all cobwebs and skulls. Mm, and like, like sort of blue and pink yeah, lightning and that sort uh-huh. of stuff. It's... And there's a scene where he's um, he's sort of like, uh, basically, um, he's kind of on like a typical sort of bad guy rant about his evil and he and he pulls a person's head from the shoulders. Yeah. He literally just yeah. rips the head off. Uh-huh. He slashes the throat and then pulls it. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's quite gory, but it's it totally... Is. It's completely didn't, nuts. didn't say that one coming. He's like, whoa. And there's a really sleazy scene involving Kung. Yeah. Where he's kind of like, um, oh, it's really it's, awful. Yeah, he's horrible. He's horrible. <laughs> but uh, maybe it's caused on a bit too long, that bit. Yeah. I mean, you don't really see anything, but it's, no, just, no. it's just the whole idea of it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's pretty awful. Yeah. But yeah. In, but like I say, mercifully doesn't show but too he, much. He's, he's, he's definitely on a, on a power trip because he wants all the women around him to be scared. And then, then our heroine <laughs> isn't scared. And he's like, we can't handle that. Yeah, exactly. And then he starts pulling people's heads off just for just for laughs. <laughs> But uh, I mean, I Maybe quite he's got little man syndrome. Or something. Yeah, oh, he definitely has. Yeah, <laughs> I um, I do quite, I do do quite enjoy the film. So um, it's and... really like uh, fast paced. Mm-hmm. There's not really any room to get bored in it. No, um, just wall to wall sort of action, pretty much. I mean, the the beginning's a little bit slow, and the rest of the film, and it's I'm sure the characters not, but that's to be expected. Um, I would say for a Ringo Lam film, the the, the all the fights are good. They're not shot with any like super duper style. No. Um, I think that probably came more with his like um, with his like sort of crime movies and that. Yeah, I think he was more. Of, it seems to me from the movies that I've seen that he put a, a lot more style and sort of put his stamp on those more. Mm-hmm. With the more modern ones like the one we discussed earlier, yeah, full contact, full yeah. contact, yeah. Um, but there's some of the humor. You were going back to that for a second. There, there are some bits that are incredibly at odds with other bits. Like there's a bit during a really serious fight. 
uh, late in the film where all the there, there is a bit where all the prisoners that, that were previously held who are Shaolin monks like yeah. break out yeah. and they start to aid the fight with yes. like Fong Sayuk and there's a bit where they're all like in really close quarters cramped together and there's barely enough room to fight uh-huh. and they've got like spears and swords and stuff and there's like loads of people flying around the place and one of them just screams out really loudly okay who squeezed my dick <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, oh, you, you gotta love the subtitles, like you gotta love that. But also, it's in that scene that when all the sort of weapons get very rubbery. Yeah. I don't know if you notice any of the, some of the ends of the spears are just flopping about. Much bending, yeah, right? uh, that's a common thing in Hong Kong. Yeah, like, it is. It's great. Um, there's this also this like quite cruel scene where um, they find a statue of Buddha, and because they're all Shaolin monks and they obviously um, that's the, the, the whole religion, the, un, the it's got a big tarpaulin sort of thing over it. Mm-hmm. They pull it off and then they like pray to Buddha to like help them escape. Yeah, because uh, it's it's shortly after they've gotten the prisoners out and they're all trying to find a way out of the booby yeah. trap temple. Yeah, which is kind of like underground, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it's like full of like death traps and things, and mm-hmm. everywhere it's they poison go, it's, gas and all sorts. There's yeah. like something to like kind of stop them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's something, there's some obstacle to overcome. So they're, they're asking Buddha for help and everything, but the statue is actually booby trapped and Kung set it up to like. To like kill more people, yeah, and it's just really harsh. Uh, like, yeah, it's, it's got all these weapons in it, and someone uh, starts to like slay them. It's uh, <laughs> it's 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 kind of nuts. Though, that there's a lot a lot packed into it, really. Mm, there um, it is, and it's it's the right running time. It's about now around forty. And I think so, it is yeah. good at subverting your expectations because not only the fact that Chiman dies and I didn't expect that, but also the fact that Lord Kung. Um, is in the end the main villain, whereas previously you probably thought Crimson was going to be. Yeah, because obviously Crimson Cause... captures them at the beginning, takes them to the Red Lotus Temple, and then we meet Kung. I mean, there's a great bit in the film that talking about subverting the expectations, where basically uh, Fong Sai Yuk thinks he's going to like have have it out with uh, Crimson mm-hmm. and fight on the uh, on the podium. Yeah, which is where which they is... use all the traps and things. Yeah, which the, is surrounded by in the pits and stuff. spikes and all sorts. But uh, he gets duped. He ends up fighting his brother, and that sort of becomes the big, the big sort of mm. sort of deal breaker fight between the brothers, sort of thing. Yeah, that's a pretty good and fight as well. That is quite good, and that goes. That also links to what you were saying about the uh, the wires and that sort of thing. Because loads of bits where they'll they fall and and they have to like stop themselves and put their hands on the side of like yeah the and they're sort of, of literally balancing and suspending in impossible just, angles yeah, and just that the it's just, well, just impossible full stop yeah and then like, there's a bit where they get right right above the spikes and they're like right are we going to hell or are we going up yeah and they decide uh, to make a, a kind of temporary truce and then yeah, they say like you know are save we gonna, each other are we going to save each other and sort of talk us out a lot <laughs> <laughs> but it's good stuff and there's also a sort of secondary bodyguard called is it baroque Baroque or sort of, but she's that's right, she's yeah. female, and like that's one of the best things about Hong Kong films is female characters can kick ass just as mm. much as, as the sort of male yeah. counterparts, and like she gets to have a few good fights as well. Asian cinema in general, it's a big yeah. thing in Japanese cinema as well. Aye, definitely. Well, I think we're going to about wrap that one up. I think. Don't yeah, if you like, um, definitely if you like sort of Hong Kong movies, definitely give it a shot. It's probably um, not exactly what you would expect from a no. Shaolin movie. If you well, I mean, depending on your range of films, I mean, maybe you've seen more Hong Kong films than we have. True. Certainly, true. I haven't seen as many as Fraser. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, definitely gets a thumbs up from me. Yep. You absolutely, too? me too. Right. Well, hopefully, we'll be back a lot quicker ne- next time. Mm-hmm. We're already lined up. Yeah, we've got a few films <laughs> lined up already. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going back to the 70s for one of them, and then we'll see what we can come up with the other ones. So, yeah, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. See you next time, hopefully. Thanks for now. <laughs>